So I want to start by just confessing something to you guys. I am one of the like five people in the world that still buys my movies, physical copies. Of course. And one of my weird little, I don't know if OCD is the right word for it, but my weird little things is if I get the first movie out of a series of three or four, <laughs> I have to have the rest of them. Got to right? complete the series. I got to complete the like series. It. Even if I don't like it. No. Uh, there... I think Rush Hour. I think Rush Hour and Rush Hour 2 are very funny movies. Rush Hour 3 was atrocious. But, but you I have to have bought it, it because oh, it went with the series. And funny. I just It I looks better on the shelf. It looks better yeah. on the shelf. I just had to because, again, Aesthetics. it's weird. It gotta, so it's look good. Uh, for this moment here, I see you have The Hunger Games up there, which I thought were actually pretty good books and decent movies. And you only have the first one. And that bothers me because I that feel like true. you need the other... Actually, like, are. looking at my library, it's in the wrong place. Again, I can't find it. <laughs> right. Oh. Well, there also, next to it, the Maze Runner. The Maze Runner. You don't have yep. the rest of the Maze Runner I series. Just the first, first Hunger Games and Maze Runner. That was yeah. it. My goodness. Y'all need to get it together. Yeah. Complete the series. Well, see, okay. Again, phases of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> the time where I actually read books like, oh, there goes my microphone. And pause. Anyway, so, <laughs> so seasons of life, you know, there was a time where I read those books and they were cool and I just don't read them anymore. Yeah. Like, uh, if you look up here, I got my Aragon series. Yep. I've got all four books. Guess what? I haven't read the fourth book yet. Okay. Same mindset. I had to finish m my aesthetics. I have all four of them. I just haven't read the fourth one yet. There's five. What? Yeah. Oh no, fine. one of them is just out of the sleeve because I'm reading the first one to the girls right now. Oh yeah, I can see now it's hollow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eventually, I might get to the fourth one here in the next, you know, five years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Once your children are a little more not toddlers. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, welcome to episode four of the Rooted in Logos podcast. Uh, I am Brad, joined as always by my dear friends Carter and Austin. We are very excited you are here. Very excited to be on episode four. Um, last episode on Tuesday, we talked about our purpose. We talked about the doctrine of man. Why were we, why were we created? We are created in the image of God. Why are we here? Who are we and why are we? And today we want to kind of discuss what that looks like in a practical sense, apply it to our everyday lives within the church, within our workplaces, within our homes and how we interact with our culture around us in light of the fact that we are created in God's image and created to bring him glory. I'm talking with my hands a lot, I just realized, and yet there's no one here to watch me do it. I'm we watching. Are. We're watching. <laughs> I like um, it. So I do want to start real quick as a quick side note. Someone came to me last week and was want some clarification on a couple things that we had said on Tuesday, I think it was, about um, salvation and just kind of the times we were going through in in our lives when COVID hit. And Carter, you and I talked a little bit before this about when you weren't living out your faith in those times. Just clarify that for us, because I think people may have said, oh, maybe he thinks he lost his salvation or gave his salvation back. But what, what actually were you trying to say in that moment, just for clarification purposes? So, yeah, I definitely worded it wrong. And what I was trying to say is I wasn't living out my faith. I wasn't like living like a Christian should. I was like not reading the Bible. I wasn't praying at all. I was just doing things of this world to have fun because I was bored. I was in a dry spell. So, yeah. Very cool. And that happens. You know, we, we as Christians are going to go through those moments of 
we're not quite living our well, purpose. Our purpose, exactly. Yeah. Not yeah. living our purpose, um, and we all get there. We yep. do. I, I went through that a few years ago, and even a little bit last year, and and it it is absolutely a thing that that's going to happen, and we just have to find our way back to God in those moments, back to His presence in those moments, even when uh, it feels like He's not there, because He is. We just yeah. have to turn around, and that's where it's very important to surround yourself <clears throat> with fellow believers. You know, to have godly men, godly women around you to help reinforce that. You know, it feels like you're turning from God because that's what you do when you sin. You you are turning, you're doing a 180, turning away from God, you sin. But the point is to, you got to come back. You have to come back to God. And having those people around you will help that. Yeah, I just wanted to say, like, I wasn't around believers and I did and again, I worded it wrong. I didn't lose faith. I just like walked away from God for a little bit. And in reality, he was just one more step behind me and I just had to turn back, but I just kept walking away. So, yeah. so easy to do, by mm-hmm. the way, just one misstep. And it, I, I liken it to my addiction to uh, soft drinks and how <laughs> I can go like 10 years without, which I've never done, but I could go like 10 years without a Mountain Dew and start thinking to myself, well, I can have one and it's okay. And then as soon as I have one, I have like 30 and it just doesn't stop. And I drink an entire 12 pack in five hours. Like it's, <laughs> it's not good. And that sin is like that, or, or, or even just being uh, ineffective in your faith is like that. You, it just takes one little step and then it's just this snowball effect and you have to get out of that rut and get out of that uh, avalanche of, of nonsense. Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that's where we wanted to start. Uh, let's get into our topic of living out our purpose and, and what we need to be doing. I think one of the scripture references that you brought up, I didn't actually write down the passage, but you talked about uh, whatever you do, do it for God. And that no matter what you're doing, eating, drinking, sleeping, uh, working, whatever it is, you are doing it as if you're doing it for God. So let's, let's expand on that a little bit and, and what kind of what that looks like. I'll, I'll kind of... One of my interviews I had when I was uh, applying to be an assistant general manager of a, of a pizza joint, one of the questions they asked me is, why why will you be a good fit here? What is your mentality coming into this workplace? And, and I was honest with them, and, and it, it may sound a little arrogant, but it, it's not meant this way. It's, I want to, in my career, in my profession, I want to do it as if I'm doing it for God. And so I told her in my answer that, Everything I do, I try to do it from the lens of I'm doing it for him. And I'm going to do my best while I'm here. I'm going to try my hardest. I'm going to be as compassionate as I can be. I'm going to be as hardworking as I can be. I'm going to be as obedient to my bosses as I can be. Because everything I do, I want people to see that I'm doing it for a higher purpose. And not just for the paycheck. Although the paycheck's nice. Paycheck is nice. That's not my sole purpose of doing that. And so that that is the mindset we as Christians should have going into the workforce. Uh, Carter, you just started a new job. Talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, definitely. In orientation, they were like, they played a video and uh, they were just like walking around asking people what do they like about restaurants. And then they were like, or bad, bad experiences they've had at restaurants and what made them bad. They were like, you can tell the employees are there just for a job. They're just there for a paycheck. They don't, they're just like, here's your food. We don't care if you come back. But where I am at, they are looking for people that are going to, we have what's called like a core forward. It's like maintain eye contact, stay connected, talk enthusiastically, 
fourth one i don't remember but um it's just right there i read it i don't have to memorize it <laughs> but you want like you're not there for the paycheck it's it's an added bonus but you are there to serve people and make sure that they are having a good experience and you do want them to come back you're not just there like you already bought it we don't care if you come back we're gonna make that money but instead you're like we hope you come back and we hope that we are able to serve you well uh, yeah uh, that leads into the word i brought into the our first episode avoda you know work worship and service having all three through your service to other people you are worshiping god through your work for your bosses you are worshiping god through your worship it is all the same and yeah that's uh it's colossians 3 23 through 24 working heartily for the lord not for men yeah and it's really awesome working there because i get to talk about christ at work which i haven't really mm-hmm. been able to do much so that's really cool to be able to do I think both of you have, have said that you thoroughly enjoy your jobs. You you love what you do. I know you're very early in yours, Carter, but I can tell you just, you enjoy it. Like, it's just fun. And there are aspects of what I do currently that I enjoy. But if I'm being completely honest, as Austin <laughs> might be dying, dying. I don't know. <laughs> I might actually leave that in because that made me chuckle. I, I apologize <laughs> to anyone who hears just the call. Turn the volume down. I'll turn the volume down. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, but I enjoy aspects of my job. I enjoy some of the people I work with. I enjoy, we have a new boss. So I think she's fantastic. But I do not care about concrete. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't care about rebar. I don't care about wire mesh. I don't care about joe blow sealing his driveway that that's not in what color it is like it i'm not passionate about that so um a part that you should like is the company is named after me so that is true it is it carter my name well, yeah exactly but uh <laughs> <laughs> but seriously though i i i was talking to one of our district guys about what i'm doing and about the job and and i am in school for other another career hopefully eventually but he goes so you really don't find this stuff fascinating the chemical makeup of concrete and what it can do and what it said not even a little bit i said i i don't care at all but i have to because of this calling because of this idea that we are supposed to be doing everything for god's glory and doing it as if we are working for him i have to get over that i have to realize hey yes this may not interest me I may not be super excited about this guy stamping his concrete, but I should be doing it to the best of my abilities. I should be learning and I am learning and I should be compassionate and good at customer service. And they need to see that in me because I am God's image bearer and and they should see that difference of, he may not know everything about this, but he's trying and and he's making an effort and we can see that. And that's my motivation. And I really have to fight the uh, apathy of, of my job from, day in and day out because uh, again i don't care about concrete definitely you know with anybody who's listening that they've ever had a job that they just loathed we've been there i've been there i've had jobs that i was just like why am i here like it's sucking the life out of me and having that mindset it's really hard in those positions you're dealing with people you just don't like okay you're trying to love them but it's really hard to love someone if you don't like them Spoiler alert. So yeah, definitely have trying to keep that in your mind with anyone who's listening that is in a job that they literally they hate. Trust us, we've been there. We know we know what that feels like. And it is really hard to keep that mindset of you are doing this for God because you could be a, a dead end job and you're like, why? how is this bringing, bringing glory to God? And well, the actual job, it probably won't isn't bringing glory to God, but it is how you do that job that brings glory to him. So stick with it and pray, pray about it heavily. That might help. 
Yeah, I worked as a referee for like five-year-old basketball, and it was for some reason they're waking up five-year-olds at seven a.m. to play basketball. Oh my so goodness. I'm there from like seven a.m. to like two or three p.m. sitting at this table, just adding score. For some games, they didn't even keep score, so I'm just literally just standing there or sitting at the table, and like I'm just so tired. It's like a six or seven-hour shift of just sitting there, and I'm like, why is this my job right now? <laughs> and thankfully, it was only like for a few months because the season was over. I mean, sometimes it's fun, like little kids bouncing off each other because <laughs> they're not coordinated yet. But in the long run, it was very boring. And some days my boss would sit next to me. We would, I would actually be able to talk. And like she was a Christian, so we could talk about Christ. So like, mm. there was good aspects, but I did stay with it. I didn't like, give up. Yeah, absolutely. Austin, thanks for that encouragement. That is awesome. That is great stuff. We're not always going to be in a position we want to be in career-wise. And um, we, we just realized that this is the season God has us in, and, and we need to do everything for his glory. Why are we Find out why we're there to make disciples and to share Christ. Yeah. But like, find out why you're there. And, and I, I've told this to a couple people. I had a situation where I dropped the ball in my career at this job, being an example of Christ. I've had multiple of those examples, but like specifically this one where we had a customer come in and you could tell he wasn't feeling well. He just was kind of tired. He, he didn't look great just physically and, and health wise. And it came out in the course of a conversation between him and another salesperson that he had just been diagnosed with cancer. Oh, wow. And he was trying to get clear up some projects that he had been working on before he started treatment. And you could see it weighing on him. And I just hear this little nudge. Hey, you need to pray for him. You need to pray for him. And I'm like, no, no, that's weird. I'm not doing that in the middle of this showroom. Like, I'm not. Mm. That, that's weird. I'll, pr- I'll pray for him. But just to myself and, and with others. But I'm not doing this right here. And in the back, again, you need. Hey. Hey, dude, tap, tap, tap. Hey. Oh, yeah. And I just, I, I, just full disclosure, I completely dropped the ball and just mm. didn't do it. And, you know, I've had to repent and I've had to, you know, be like, give me another chance. And he will. And I'll probably ignore it again because I'm stubborn. But <laughs> those are those moments. That's why you're there in those yeah. moments. And, and we need to be sensitive to that. And I was sensitive to it. I heard it very clearly. And I just decided not to do it because I... I was, I was afraid of looking dumb. I don't know. I don't know what the mm. I don't know what the reasoning was. I was just very disobedient in that moment, and it is something that you you know you need to be sensitive to and and try to obey. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah, so piggybacking off of that, the previous episode we're talking about what is our purpose? What is our purpose as Christians? And and we dived into giving God the glory, and that is our utmost job. That is our purpose. But off of that, there stems other purposes. You know, as as a man to lead, once you become a husband and a father, you have that spiritual leading aspect. If you're a pastor, you have that pastoring aspect. As a disciple, you are to make more disciples. There are things that stem from giving God the glory. And, you know, those are things that we'll talk about. We're going to talk about how does that impact the world? How does that impact the home? How does that impact the church? I feel like that's something that is, I guess, ignored or just not talked about much. The the church aspect of our purpose. And I think we should definitely get into that more well, let's, too. Let's dive into that now. Let's go into the church now and what our purpose is there. I think you're right. It's not something we discuss a lot. And I'm interested to hear what you have to say, Austin, about it just... Because it's not, I, even for this episode, it's not something I really grappled with. Uh, I focus on a couple other things. And so I'm, I'm very curious uh, where where you want to go with this. And, and let's let's dive into that. Yeah. So, I, again, I got some scripture. <laughs> okay. There's never a thing as too much scripture. <laughs> but, again, some of it's redundant. So, so Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... 
you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's something that isn't isn't really talked about, I think, in the church at all. But something my wife and I, coming into this church that, that all three of us are at right now, this church does that well, uh, at least for us. Um, coming in, being able to share our burdens, having people able to come behind us and help us with that, but also us with them and being like, look, let's help. Let me help you with that. You're having this burden. Let me help you share the load as best I can. And leading into other scripture, you know, weep with those who weep. If someone is mourning, you mourn with them. If someone is joyful and they're happy, be excited with them. You know, as as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we are meant to be that for each other. As iron sharpens iron, so does the countenance of another. It's very important, the relationship we have within the church. That is the body, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And we need to be able to restore each other, fill each other up, back each other up. And, you know, that's different denominations. You have the Pentecostals on this side. You have the Baptists on this side. You have the Catholics on this side. If we truly believe that Christ is the Son of God, He died, and He came back for us, if we have that faith in Him, we need to be backing each other up. We need to be standing beside each other saying, let's help each other out. Yeah. And, and you're right. It, the church that we're at is is fantastic in this. I grew up in a really small church. In fact, a lot of the people I grew up with are going to this <laughs> church now, which is really cool. But grow, growing up in a small church and then also working at and then serving in some bigger churches. Not to say all big churches are bad or, or big churches are bad in general, but like there you lose a little bit of that and unless you become intentional about digging in and getting in with a group. The church is for supporting each other. That's one of the purposes. It is for supporting us or, or supporting fellow believers, bearing the burdens, calling out sin. Yes. Church discipline, something that we don't really do and talk about we a don't whole lot. talk about we don't um, i'll tell you a very quick story also if i told this story last week forgive me i talk a lot to a lot of people unfortunately that may surprise you but i may have said this i may not have i don't know but i went when i was trying to determine where i wanted to plug in uh church wise when i came back uh from south carolina came back to louisville I went to a church in Louisville that the first week I was there, they were doing some baptisms and they brought this gentleman up and they said, you guys may recognize him. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't, this is my first week here, but let's see what they have to say. He was a former pastor of that church sent up to be baptized. Oh, wow. And I was like, this is intriguing. Let's, let's hear this story. And so they told this story about how this, this man went to Southern Seminary. He was on track to become a, a lead pastor somewhere he was on staff there as an associate pastor after graduating seminary, and on the surface was everything you would think a Christian is. And it came to light through church discipline and, and through the, the process of talking to talking to the person individually, going to him with an elder, and then bringing it before the church, that he had a massive addiction to pornography. Oh, wow. A very private addiction that became public, of course. But a, 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 an addiction to that. And then through that process of restoration, which is what you had alluded to, not just casting him out, not just saying we're done with you, but yes, they removed him from leadership, and but they came beside him and restored him. They realized he was, he was not a believer. He had wow. the head knowledge. He had the seminary degree. He had all these outward examples of, yeah, this guy's a Christian. And it turned out he he was just going through the motions and he wasn't he didn't have a conversion experience. 
And to see him be in a leadership role, be removed from leadership, basically fired for this sin that he was in, to realizing he was not really a convert, staying at that church and then being baptized in that church was mind-blowing. And that is... That's what it should look like. That's though. what it should look like. When you realize this person is 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 in sin and, and is in consistent sin, not just a one off, I said a bad word when someone cut me off, but like a consistent pattern of unrepentance. Living, living in sin. Yeah. They are removed from leadership, but then we restore them. We don't just cast them off and excommunicate like, you know, other faiths do. We restore that person. We come alongside them and bear that burden with them and say, let's get you where back to where you need to be. Through God's help. Yeah. And that's what we have to do as brothers, as sisters in Christ, to be able to see that and say, come, first of all, being able to come to that brother or sister and say, you're living in sin. And depending on how their their reaction is, it, it sounds like this guy's reaction was the way it should go. Say, all right, you know what you did was wrong. What's the next step? Repentance. You need to ask God for forgiveness. Okay. How do we get you back to living for Christ? Let's help you with that. Very important. Uh, so, and I, so I have another one. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fa- fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes, rather, speaking truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Yeah, I I think it's... The, the church it is the church is to build a strong foundation the church is yes outreach is a part of that but the church is to solidify our faith prepare us to go out and bring disciples and make disciples we are the hands and feet we are the ones that do the doing the church does the pouring into and teaching i think a huge part of like who i am today is because of how the church that we all go to treated me as like a newcomer like a lot of churches they have their cliques and there's just like new people that are always there and like they're like yeah we'll just like try to make them feel welcome but they're never really in the groups and this church when i went i started going i came with my aunt and like the people at the church like just started loving on me and like the youth group welcomed me in very fast and my mentor like was just constantly trying to get me to open up and stop being so shy and just like grow in my faith and a few weeks ago one of them was like I don't, I don't know how this came up, but he was just like, man, you can like never leave our church. You're like our child. You, He was like, that's like a child leaving their family. You can't do that. Like you're here now. And I was like, that's really true because like this church has like grown me so much. And like, I'm it, we have like a very family aspect, which is really awesome. I, I told a friend of mine who was visiting <clears throat> once, I said, do not, they were looking for a church for him and his wife. And I said, do not tell them that you're good at carpentry because <laughs> literally week one, they will say, Hey, we need you to build this yep. for us. <laughs> So it is, it is such an inviting atmosphere. And again, I I think you get that in these smaller churches and smaller congregations. Again, not saying that bigger churches are are bad. It's just harder. It's harder. You have to make more of an effort to find your small group, your deeper life group or whatever you call it in that church. You do have to make a more concerted effort. Whereas some of this, 
in a smaller church is more organic. Obviously, smaller churches have other problems that right. bigger churches don't, so on and so forth. But it, it's just a cool aspect of, of where we are is it is it's that welcome it's that building up that pouring out pouring into and building you know amazing the th- things we do for our congregation like just how much support we have for each other is fantastic yeah and and it, it's important to remember that because we're growing our church is growing we have a lot of new people i mean exhibit a i we're we're new i'm i'm new you the, you can't couple years couple years, couple yeah. years yeah we need to remember that we need to remember to reach out to people and realize that it is not just a select few people in the church that that's their job. It is the whole body of Christ. That is your job. If you realize someone isn't showing up on a Sunday or two Sundays go by and someone's not there, reach out to them. Mm -hmm. It is really hard for one person or two people to be in charge of that and to reach out to everybody. It has to be spread amongst the whole congregation because it's inevitable. There are people that will fall through the cracks because they don't feel like they're being reached out to. And and again, that happens with larger churches more so than smaller, because smaller, you're more tight-knit. But as a church grows more people, it's harder to keep contact with. So for those of you who are in that situation, and you're realizing that certain people haven't shown up, reach out to them. One, make sure they're okay. Again, you're their brother or sister in Christ. You need to be saying, hey, do you need help? Is there anything I can do for you? Is there something you're struggling with? Let me pray for you. What can I do for you? And again, because you're going to reach that moment. You're going to hit that spot where you're not at church for a week or two. It is really nice for someone to reach out to you and say, hey, are you okay? I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. So. Yeah. And it definitely feels more genuine when it's like a different person that you get it from. Cause like, say it's the same person every time you're just like, oh, that's like a copy and paste message. They're just doing something to like, say they texted me cause I'm gone when really it's like different people. And you're like, man, they actually care that I'm gone. And so like, it's a family aspect for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I think we've done a great job here with the church and, and explaining kind of the purpose of that. If you need more, if you want more resources, please reach out to us. We'd love to. I have some books, recommendations we can dig into about what it looks like to be a healthy church member, to do what we're called to do as members of, of a body. But let's let's go into just our personal lives, okay? So we've talked about our careers, we've talked about our church. What about just in our day-to-day living, our interactions with people in the church, outside the church? How do we live? So I, I look at, uh, and, and I, again, didn't write the reference down. You're going to find this out about me. I, I kind of know a lot of the verses, but where they are, eh. It's there. You can find it. Google it. It'll be fine. <laughs> and I'll put it in the in the description, maybe, if I remember. Uh, but one of the verses that I, I think about is what is our like what is our standard of living as as believers? What what is our standard? Our standard is to be holy. The Bible says, be holy as I am holy. Mm-hmm. That is the standard. The standard is, and I've said this before, perfection. Yeah, yeah. That is the standard. God cannot and will not and does not let sin into heaven. That is why the blood of Christ is so important. That is why it's essential to our salvation, because without that. It's not going to work. So the standard is be holy as I am holy. Now, how do we obtain that? Yeah, no, that is that is an excellent question. Because, yeah, looking at your interaction as your purpose in the world versus like your your home. And so I, I have one here, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. It's talking about the world and people within the church. And it, it leads into church discipline, stuff like that. So 1 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 9. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty 
of sexual immorality or greed or as an idolater, reveler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you. And again, that's leading back to the church and discipline. If you confront your brother one-on-one and you're saying, dude, you have you have this sin you're living in. I, I've noticed it. Other people have noticed it. And he completely blows you off. Okay, next. You bring another brother or several other brothers with you to confront him again and say, look, Steve, we've seen that you've had this issue. We're coming to you as brothers, loving brothers in Christ saying, this is wrong. You need to change this. He blows you off again. You take it to the church. The whole church comes to this man and says, look, what you are doing is living in sin. If you do not change what you are doing, that basically this is your last and final warning. Either you repent and you ask God to forgive you and change your life, or you can't be here anymore. Because it says, do not even eat with that person. And it's important to distinguish that is someone who claims to be a believer exactly. and claims to be a follower of Christ. For me, I have a friend that I talk to, try to talk to on a regular basis who's not a believer and he's struggling with a lot of addiction, a lot of different issues. It's not talking about him. Okay. Exactly. It's talking about someone who says, I am a believer. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I'm following Jesus. And yet is actively not. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, exactly. and because that does, that hurts the church. So that is how you interact with someone living in that sin within the church with, uh, who claims Christ. Let's, let's, let's look back. And I think it mentions that in this passage. What about those that are not? Yeah. And so actually that, and that, that leads me to our next passage. When you are going out, you know, you're making your disciple making movement and you encounter this town, you encounter these people, this person who you're teaching, you're pouring into, and they just do not accept it. What do you do? Well, Matthew chapter 10, verses 11 through 15 lays that out. Christ, this is Christ speaking. He says, in whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. So as you go into this town, proverbially, into a house, if you are received, if you're able to talk to these people about Christ, you know, let your peace come upon that house. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. He will be there. But if you come into this place or talk to this person where you know you're not wanted, they want nothing to do with you because of Christ. They want nothing to do with God. And you've tried, take off your sandals, shake the dust off of your feet from that house, from that town, from that person. Move on. Go to somebody who will actually listen to you. And, and that's... Quit touching my foot, weirdo. <laughs> Footsies. <laughs> uh, so, and that is, it's very important to understand that, that it is not our job to save people as Christians. Exactly. It is not our, that, that's not what we're, that's not what we're to do. We are to share Christ. We are to be examples. We are to be holy as I am holy. We are to be imitators of Christ. We mentioned that uh, last episode. People should look at us and say, wow, there's something different about Carter. What, whatever that is, like, let, I want to know what that is. Why, why is he different? And I want that. I want that joy. Hey, Carter's really going through this. Or Austin, Austin's really dealing with with a tough loss or or some tough situation. But man, he is handling it with grace 
he is handling it with strength that I don't think I would have. What is what is that? Why why is that? Why is he able to handle this tough situation and not lose it? <laughs> you know, and and that that should be our goal is to be that example, be that light, be that imitator of Christ to where people actually ask questions. Uh, I had a situation years ago uh, <laughs> where I was an assistant manager of a pizza joint, and which, by the way, is like I've been assistant manager of a pizza joint like four different pizza joints. It's so <laughs> so many places. We like but pizza. Love pizza. But um, where I think I got upset about something and said a cuss word under my breath, or, or even maybe even out loud, I can't remember exactly what it was, and. The guy was next to me. He goes, I've never heard you say anything like that before. Are you okay? <laughs> and and I, and I thought that I was like, oh, eh. and I apologize and say, yeah, I don't really, you know, I try not to say things that I shouldn't say. Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. But looking back at that, I'm like, man, that it actually was kind of cool. Not that I sinned, not that I said what I shouldn't have said, but that he noticed, hey, he doesn't say that. And, and he noticed like there's something different about this guy where when I say something that I shouldn't say, Oh, that's out of character. That should be the goal, right? Is is to you are going to mess up in front of people, especially people you work with, because you're with them forty five hours a week. <laughs> yeah, you're going to mess up. You're going to fall. You're going to say something, do something, whatever that isn't Christ like. That should be out of character. Yeah, that exactly. should be yeah. that should catch people off guard mm-hmm. when you do that. And if it doesn't, there's an issue. Uh, there's an issue. One more story, and I'm going to stop talking about this. But uh, <laughs> I was. This was years ago. I got into the car with with a friend of mine, and I think she had like Way FM playing, had Christian music playing, had worship music on. She she was telling me a story of how she was at work, and her and her boss had to go somewhere, and she drove. And when he got in the car, and she turned the car on, Way FM worship music was playing, and the boss said, "Oh, I never would have thought you'd listen to this." Ooh, and like she was wow. saying that kind of proud, like, "Oh yeah, he never would have thought I listened to worship music." Cause I'm like, "But that's, that's actually the opposite thing. of the reaction you should have." It should be like, oh yeah, I that makes totally sense. expect Chris Tomlin to be playing through the speakers. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it's it should have been the opposite reaction. That should have that made me sad. And I'm like, man, I hope people don't say that about me if they get yeah. into my car and I have something playing that's Christian. Need to breathe, like always. It, it, it is always need to breathe. It's, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> it shouldn't catch people. That should not catch people off guard. You saying something, doing something that is not Christ, like that should catch people off guard. Exactly. And even that. That story, you know, it's one I've heard a lot going growing up. You go into a church and you see somebody, like someone you see out, out in the world, the workforce. You see them in church and you have two ways of looking at it. First is you see them and you're like, what? Why are they here? And that's a very bad thing. Yeah. Versus you, you walk in and you're like, oh, you know what? That makes sense. That makes total sense why they're here. That should be the reaction when people see you. What are you supposed to reflect? You are supposed to reflect Christ to everybody, and especially to the unbeliever. Not especially because, yeah, that's a different topic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I need to reflect Christ to my wife. I need to reflect Christ to my children, to you guys. So everybody, everybody, it's universal. It should not be a surprise when people realize you go to church. Exactly. And that, that can get into another, so many topics because... <laughs> uh, I'm very passionate about teaching truth at church, teaching biblical truth, and it being convicting. And someone who is not a believer, someone who is struggling with sin, a believer struggling with sin, should at times be like, I'm a little uncomfortable here because they're saying things that kind of hit home. Yep. Um, Stepping on toes. Stepping on toes. It's a good thing. Getting canceled by the culture is not (laughs) a bad thing, guys. It's 
actually what we should probably be doing at this point, getting canceled by the mm-hmm. culture. Well, and if you're going to a church that uh, the proverbial, you know, tickling of the ears, you're not being convicted of anything. So you're perfect. Is, is that what you're saying? No, you need to be convicted of these things. There are things that I know I am not perfect. I struggle with and it is refreshing. It, it, it's hard But to go to a church where that is called out and you're sitting there like, oh, man, he's talking about me. Uh, Did he did he read my thoughts? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But that is a good thing. That means the Lord is convicting you and he is coming after you saying you need to change. When the conviction stops, whether it's truth being spoken at the church, actual truth being spoken in the church or it's ear ear tickling when the conviction stops, there is a problem. There is a red flag that should be going up. When you realize, hey, I am doing this, this is not right, and it's either called out in the church, or you just just know that it's not right, and the conviction isn't there, you might want to start throwing up some red flags and figure out why that's happening. Well, you're like stepping on toes or getting canceled. Like The gospel can be offensive, and we were saying that. I, I don't know if we said it while we were recording, but we did say that like last week, and like it will be, and like we will have to like step on toes eventually throughout this podcast. So I mean, I expect if this thing gets any traction whatsoever, which I'm not mm-hmm. saying it will or won't, but if it does, I expect Facebook to take us off. I expect, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%, you know, some of these, maybe even these podcast services say, yeah, we're not going to let that on. Yeah. Although I'm thinking with Apple, they still let Matt Walsh and Ben Shapiro on there. So that is true. I feel like as long as they're <laughs> allowed to be on, we're okay for now, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And- realize whoever's listening we are saying this to glorify god we are doing this one because we want to get deeper we know we have these we these issues and issues we don't even see that eventually will pop up and know that we're doing this out of love we love you guys we want to help you as our brothers and sisters in christ to get deeper in the word to realize these convictions that are coming from god this isn't coming from us we're trying to stay scriptural we are sharing the word logos, we're sharing Christ. And if it convicts you, keep that in mind. Why is this convicting me? Pray about it, read about it, dig deeper, learn more. So just to kind of wrap this up and, and talk about one more one more area before we finish, because we're starting to get a little long and uh, there are uh, limits on how much I can post <laughs> uh, with our account. But let's talk about our purpose and living our purpose, living this glorifying God in the home. I think Austin may be the best one to speak to this at the moment, just because he's the one with the wife and kids, um, me and my dog and Carter and his family, like not a whole lot of necessarily home leadership there. Now we can get into private lives and things we do in secret. That is absolutely part of the home and something we need to reckon with and, and wrestle with. But let's just general overview our purpose as believers, as Christ followers, as image bearers in the home. Yeah, definitely. And so I have a, cu- a couple scripture that I'll go through. I'll just read. And a lot of these, we will actually, we'll, we'll take a whole segment and we'll discuss on. Because like, so number one, Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 33, submission. Okay. Wives, husbands, children. So starting in verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husband. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church 
and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, logos, the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. So, that's leading into, you know, looking at biblical roles, men and women, the aspect of the home life. Men are supposed to reflect Christ to their wives, to their children. And that's a hard thing. Christ wants us to reflect him. He is perfect. And I am a man. I'm a very flawed and sinful man. And I'm supposed to reflect that to my wife. But also on the other aspect of that, she is not necessarily supposed to reflect, you know, the church because the church is flawed. The bride of Christ, we are sinful. But us as husbands, we are supposed to love our wives as Christ loves the church. Very important. So again, looking at other scripture, Let's go to the Old Testament. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You are Christ to your children. You are their spiritual leader, men. You need to be leading your children. It's not just your wife's responsibility. You need to be able to lead your wife, lead your children. I just now got a notification for Proverbs 22.6 being the verse of the day. So You're kidding. Like, just now. See, it's right there. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Dude, that's awesome. Okay, it's Jesus. It's always listening. Okay, God. Or oh, that too. God's always listening to <laughs> Oh, that's... Never mind. We'll just forget about it. <laughs> Either Big Brother or God. We don't know which one this one was, but oh, we're going to go with God. Apple's Could have been Apple. Listening Who to. knows? No. <laughs> Apples of the I'm devil. Sorry. So like, anyway. <laughs> uh, next one. Deuteronomy. Chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. As a parent, men, women, you are supposed to be teaching your children all the time. It is an everyday, all day thing. And if you are a Christian, you need to be discussing scripture all of the time. All of the time. It is so important. I mean, not saying you can't talk about other things, you know, how to fix a car, how to plant a garden. Those are important too. But the most important thing, our purpose here on earth is to give glory to God. How do we do that? We need to be putting that time into our children, into our wives. So the last one I have, this is Ephesians chapter six, verses two through four. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The, fir- the first commandment, honor thy father and mother. Oh, not the first commandment, sorry. But the commandment, honor your father and mother, that is the commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, he will extend your life and, and that's a hard concept because that is not just talking about Christian parents. That is talking about unbelieving parents. And that is something that we can talk about in a, a later podcast. You know, how do you honor an unbelieving father, an unbelieving mother? And just to not dive too deep, but that doesn't mean that you do everything they tell you. 
if they are saying something contrary to what God wants you to do, you, you can't do that. But there, there is an obedience, there's a reverence, there's an honoring in being able to listen to that. And again, we can dive a lot deeper in that too at different times. Uh, I just wanted to be able to reflect on that. That's awesome stuff. And, and I appreciate you bringing your experience as a husband, as a father to this. Um, I have a little bit of experience on the parenting side of things. Totally different though with foster care. But this was fantastic and, and great job there. And so, Carter, just you and I real quick, uh, and, and obviously Austin too, but uh, just real quick, just as, as guys who are single, single man, uh, teenager, you know, kind of, you know, in the next couple of years, maybe starting to look that direction of, of being a husband and father. What do we do now in the home to, to live out our purpose? And I think uh, a big part of that is is sexual purity. Mm-hmm. It's, yes. it's being aware of the situations that we're in with if we're dating somebody or if we just are with the opposite sex, being aware of those situations and, and putting those limits in and, and making sure we have those safeguards to guard our minds, guard our hearts. Uh, also, you know, you look at pornography and and how much of a devastating grip that has on people yes. and how devastating that lifestyle ends up being. Making sure we are keeping our thoughts pure, keeping mm-hmm. our computers pure, keeping yes, our cell phones our especially cell phones. pure because we have everything Within 0.5 seconds, we have everything we we could ever want to look at on yeah. our phones, and it, it's terrifying. And, and again, another topic for another day, the, the, the statistics on pornography and, oh and sexual immorality are unbelievable. Yeah, it was like the average age the kid sees it for the first time is like 10 or 11 now. Oh yeah, my it's, it's it's gone. Like it well, was a few years older a few years ago, <clears throat> and it's going down, and it's definitely going down again like in the next few years. Yeah. Well, and again, it's hard not to dive into this. So trying to trying to say stay not too deep. But men, how unfair is that to your future wife, to your girlfriend that you're looking at marrying, to your wives looking at these images? How fair is that to them? You are putting this unrealistic thing in your mind. That is not real. This this is unfair to your wives, to your girlfriends, to your fiancés. And it's wrong. Because yeah. looking at it, it is sexual immorality. It is. I believe the Greek word is pornos, which that's where we get the word pornography. Pornos means sexual immorality. You're looking at this, you are committing sexual immorality. And, and so for those of us who are single, those of us who are not married, don't have kids, teenagers... 30-year-olds taking applications, by the way. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but <laughs> small small credit check, little background check, it'll be fine. We'll, we'll figure this out. Maybe a married at first sight type thing. It'll be all right. But no, I'm totally kidding. Um, Maybe. But, no, but as as we potentially are... are <laughs> Carter's losing it. <laughs> reeling back. Reeling back. Um, but as, as men and women who are looking towards our future spouses, looking towards our future families... Start preparing now. Prepare now. Prepare now. And and it's it is not just not just sexual immorality, but I th- I think that's the big one in the home for single people is keeping your mind pure, keeping your mind that uh, on your future family, resolving to a staying sexually pure before you're married. B when you're married, being faithful, being uh, in fidelity with your wife and only your wife, not other images, not other people. Your wife. Yourself. Not yourself. That's yeah. another topic. That's a topic. Yep. Um, but to prepare yourself for the time when you're a parent as well, to teach those to your kids, teach these morals to your children, teach scripture. It, it There's so much we can dig into that we're running out of time to do that today, but we will get to it. We will get to it. Um, we will. 
this a- ask questions if you have a question you want us to dig deep and to answer email us let us know yeah yeah we we have loved the interaction so far we would love to be able to interact more on that level i hope by the time this one airs we are on apple <laughs> i don't know i finally got an email back yesterday it's a thing i don't have a clue what's happening i don't think they do either so we're trying to get there uh but we do want to interact with you we'll austin will kind of dig into that uh at the little outro that you'll hear after every episode of how you can contact us. But uh, Carter wanted to say one more thing before we go. Um, so over the past few days, I like bought the domain and I created us a website. And at the very last like so- section, there is a, an email us part and it like, you just put your name, email, and then you can put a message. So like, if you do want to email us, you can use the website. It is rooted in And like, we have a bunch of tabs, like there's a home, there's, we got some statistics on there. You can, learn a little bit about us. We have inspiration of like the two pastors we talked about that inspired us to do this and we'll have our, or links to our episodes from there. So yeah, just go check it out. I had a lot of fun making it. Yeah. And, and we're going to keep evolving that website and putting more stuff on there. We're excited to, to really flesh this out, see how, how far we can take this. Like I said, yeah. uh, I think in the first or in Tuesday's episode, I got big ideas and we'll just see what happens with them. <laughs> <laughs> kind of dreaming a little bit, but thank you guys for joining us. One more thing on how you can contact us. We also have emails for that. So like example for me, it'll be Carter at rooted in Brad and Austin also have one. If you just want to like email us separately or we still have the rooted in logos pod at gmail.com. So yeah. contact us, contact us however you want to. Yeah. We're excited. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Sign off. We will see you next week. I, I, Stay uh, rooted. Stay rooted, San Diego. Stay rooted, no. San Diego. Not San, Not San Diego. Diego. Not San Diego. Ah. Thank you for listening to our show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen. Also, please help us out by leaving a five-star review. If you want to connect with us or suggest a topic, email us at rootedinlogospod at gmail.com. Logos, L-O-G-O-S, pod, at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rooted in Logos Pod. <laughs>